Hello and welcome to my show, Searching for Integrity. My name really is John Smith, and I'm searching for people with integrity. Why? Because our country suffers from IDD, Integrity Deficit Disorder. Today we have an author, uh, Jim Garrity, and uh, we're going to have him for at least close to half an hour. And I'd like to give you an idea of his. Are you, first of all, are you there, there, Jim? I should say, welcome you. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be with you. Great, great. We're now together. That's great. That's the important thing. Um, together in spirit. Absolutely. I um, was looking at your your lengthy information that you do and have done. Uh, this all gives goes into your introduction, which I'll start now. Um, Jim Garrity is uh, a biotechnology executive, has been a passionate participant in the orphan drug revolution since its inception. Now, don't get uh, squirmy on the other end here. He's going to define and help us understand what an orphan drug is. Uh, nevertheless, his book is a part of a history with eyewitness accounts of advances as they occurred in portraits of the pioneering scientists and physicians, tireless activists and visionary business leaders who made the revolution happen. Interesting. John, I got it right here. James has been a director of eight NASDAQ listed biotech companies and a chair of five. He's worked on orphan drugs for over 40 years. He's a Georgetown graduate with a master's in psychology from Penn and a law degree from Yale. He's a citizen of three countries and lives in Boston. First question, what are the three companies, three countries? <laughs> the first is obviously the United States. And the second, by virtue of my father's birth, is Ireland. And third, by virtue of having lived there for five or six years, is France. Aha, uh -huh, aha, uh -huh, interesting. My, my wife's father, my father-in-law, he, uh, he was a Scot. And uh, he was actually, the, his dad took the family down to Argentina. This is to run the railroads. Wow. And then he came back and then traveled the world as a, a big company. Um, nevertheless, financial wizard he was. Uh, well, let's get to you. I know we're talking about my father-in-law. <laughs> Great story. Um, it's a, uh, you know, one of the things that I, that I look at here, and as I looked at it when I first began to think about it, I thought, you know, I'm going to give the reins to Jim, and he's going to tell you all about his book and all about what he does, and I may interrupt him from time to time, but I'm not going to be the one that's going to have all this knowledge to ask you about. So let's, uh, well, let's do with your book. Let's start with your book. How did you do with the book? Well, thank you, John. I appreciate the opportunity. I the, the book grows out of a story. And as you mentioned, I spent, you know, 40 years, basically my entire career working in the field. And, you know, you started out by talking about searching for integrity, which I think is a wonderful thing. And that's actually what drew me to this field. You know, I started my career in business. I was consulting for a lot of different companies and, uh, and they were all good companies, all, you know, but all focused on making money. And I found I was drawn to a healthcare client that was working on, on, on therapies for a rare genetic disease. The first one I actually got involved with was hemophilia. 
And I found there that because, you know, that you needed to have scientists and physicians and you needed to attract the best and the brightest to be successful, mm -hmm. that the culture of the company had to be different. You had to mm -hmm. have, you know, you had to put patients first. You had to have a respect for the integrity of the science. And, and to do that, you know, you drew, you drew in the best people. And that's what it took to develop these therapies. And that revolutionized care for hemophilia patients in my first years. And it has followed me with working with many other companies and therapies for many other rare genetic diseases ever since. And to answer the question you posed for your listeners, a, uh, an orphan drug is a drug for an orphan disease. And an orphan disease is basically a rare disease that has been abandoned or orphaned by the pharmaceutical industry because there are too few patients for them to make a profit developing drugs for it. Right, right. I can understand that. I can see that. What, what you just said, I believe, is the year one is, is what you said. And, and is, well, would that be part, part of the 40 years you've been in? Exactly. The 40 years really starts in about 1983 with the passage of the Orphan Drug Act, 1982, 1983. And right. it was 1982 that I started working with a company, working on hemophilia therapies. And with the fellow who was leading that work, a man named Henry Tamir, he went on to found the lead Genzyme Corporation for many years. And Genzyme really pioneered the orphan drug revolution, developing very successful therapies for diseases most of your listeners have never heard of. Names like Gaucher disease, Fabry disease, Pompeii disease, but genetic diseases that each affect thousands of people around the world who are now living, whose lives have been transformed by these therapies. Well, that's fantastic uh, that you've got something there that is, is really a contribution. A, a huge contribution, and you have all these others. You're you're a move maker. You you <laughs> use all you get all these mothers, all these people that uh, you know that join join up, do something with it. It's been an inspiring cause, John. Really, and uh, the book starts with the story of Abby Myers, who's sometimes called the mother of the orphan drug revolution, who had a son mm -hmm. with a rare genetic disease, and drug companies refused to make available a drug that could treat him. And she went to Washington and got Henry Waxman and other congressmen involved and ultimately got the bill passed. And then the bill drew in, you know, entrepreneurs and investors and scientists and has led to therapies that never would have been possible. In those years, nobody was working on therapies for rare genetic diseases. And today, right. hundreds of companies around the world are working on them. That's good. And I think that's going to get bigger. Uh, those are bright people that are doing that. I was Very bright. Some of the... Uh, the people uh, that are involved and the, and the diseases, I was looking at the list here, hemophilia, cystic fibrosis, muscular dystrophy, all orphans. And where's the other one? Where's the other one? It was the, uh, the Lou, Gehrig, Lou Gehrig was the disease. Yeah, Lou Gehrig's disease called sometimes called ALS, amyotrophic yes. lateral sclerosis. Yep. Right. And I remembered when I was in college, that actually, when I was in Vietnam before college, I was um, with a, a squad of black black guys. I was the only white guy, and uh, I thought, of course, I thought I was an exchange student, but um, <laughs> it was such so that it was the uh, ultra rare, but but they come from Africa, the um, right, and that's. Which one is that one? The, well, I think you're thinking about sickle cell disease, which is that's it. sickle, sickle cell, cell anemia, disease. which is the most yeah. common genetic defect among African-American people of African descent. And the book talks about sickle cell, which was long ignored for many reasons. 
but recently has seen a, uh, you know, a focus of attention and actually the first successful therapies in over 40 years have come forward for sickle cell disease in just the last couple of years. Wow. Wow. Now, my college days are way back. Um, right. and, and I thought I was going to ask you, what, what was the status of that? And you just answered it. That's, yeah, that's been an amazing success story, a beautiful story to follow. I, the book yeah. tells the story of a company called Global Blood Therapeutics, which pioneered that work. A, a physician scientist, a great example, a man named Ted Love, who's profiled in the book, who dedicated the last you know, 10 to 15 years of his life to helping to discover the drug, to build a company, to develop it, to take the drug through clinical trials, and ultimately to make the drug available to patients in the United States and, and around the world. It's a, it's a beautiful story. Right. As I was looking at some of the uh, problems that people have, diseases, genetic diseases, um, and what I'm looking at, what I saw was uh, Alzheimer's. Now, is that something that's looked at as, as a, uh, an orphan drug because it costs so much? Well, not for that reason, John, but I do talk about Alzheimer's in the book, and I talk about Alzheimer's in the context of explaining how breakthroughs in treating rare genetic diseases, orphan diseases, can play a role in unlocking treatments to much broader diseases. And Alzheimer's is a great example. Alzheimer's, as I'm sure you know, as your listeners know, is the most prevalent disease among older Americans in the, today, right? right? 20 million Americans plus. But there are, you may have heard, and some of your listeners may know, that there are some people who suffer from what's sometimes called early onset. Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's strikes some people as early as their 40s, for example. Mm -hmm. And when scientists have studied those patients, they find that they have certain rare genetic defects. And by understanding those defects, so the first therapies that are coming forward for Alzheimer's and now gene therapies that are being developed for Alzheimer's may actually treat those genetic subsets first, some of the most severe cases, and in treating them, show the way to treating the broader population later on. Well, these aren't surgeries, but they're taking medication. These are they're medication, they're not surgeries. That's correct. I see. Okay. These are typically these therapies are typically in, in delivered as an intravenous infusion. You get an IV in your arm to get the drug administered throughout your whole body. Right. Yeah. I just had that that IV on my arm last week when the, the VA was doing some VA testing of, of my heart. And they said, Yep, you've got one. <laughs> uh, I um, was looking over the contents. I'm a, I'm a contents table of contents guy. Good. Uh, and and I and I look at it's it's how you peel the the book back. You know, you you recall what you thought about this and that and why you did. And uh, right. a lot of this you've already touched uh, touched on. Um, the I have one here that says making medicines in milk. Right. Please, please define. One of my favorite chapters. That chapter starts out. That chapter starts out by saying very few people who would write the history of the orphan drug revolution would include this chapter, but I think it belongs. And it's the story of the therapies developed on a farm in central Massachusetts, a bucolic goat farm in the middle of the state on an old colonial estate. And it's the, it, it grew out of the brainchild of one scientist who had the idea that, you know, if you think about the, these therapies for rare genetic diseases, they're usually proteins because the defect is a defect of a protein in our bodies, right? So the, the way to treat them 
is often called protein replacement therapy, delivering the properly functioning protein mm -hmm. that the patients need. Well, if mm -hmm. you think about it, the most abundant source of protein in the world is milk, right? So today, you know, originally these drugs were made in, in big factories, cell culture reactors, where you try to get a big stainless steel tank to produce proteins. But proteins, the stainless steel tanks are very inefficient. They produce a very, very tiny amount of protein. Whereas animals, cows and goats, they produce huge amounts of protein. Mm -hmm. So the idea was, if you could somehow take the gene that codes for the, the protein that the patient needs and link it to the proteins, you know, the curds and whey, right? The proteins in milk, so that mm -hmm. when an animal, a female animal was being milked and you took the milk out, you'd get those proteins and then you could purify them out. And that's exactly what's done on that, back, on that farm in Massachusetts. Interesting. Well, when I saw it, I thought about an event that I had with my uncles on a, on a farm in Kentucky. And I was about four years old. And I went down to the barn and there they were talking and he and Holland were having a good time. They were milking a cow. And they said, come here, Johnny, you want some milk? <laughs> and I did. Got into that tip and said, drink all you want. And I did. And I don't think I've touched it since. <laughs> Even the only the only place that I would drink was in the army when I was about to starve. That's when I had a glass of milk. And until oh, then, there you go. won't do it. Won't do it. And it was. Well, uh, the, the, you'll, you'll be happy to know, John. If you ever need these these therapies, you don't have to drink the milk to get the drug. They put the drug <laughs> in a nice. They put the drug in a nice little pill or a nice little IV for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, now let's see here. Let's see. We we we're we now almost hard won successes. We've got a second wave. Tell them about the second wave. Well, the Started first wave scratch. to start with the first wave, right? The first wave tells in many ways the story of a company called Genzyme, a biotechnology company in Cambridge, Massachusetts, that pioneered the orphan drug revolution. Uh, really showed the way to develop these drugs, you know, successfully and to build a company based around them. And, uh, and that company was very successful, really, you know, pioneered this orphan drug revolution. But then that company fell upon, it fell into difficulties. It had a, a, a problem in one of the plants. The plant had to be shut down and the company ultimately was acquired. And a lot of people thought that was kind of the end of that era. But then it turned out, you know, a lot of other young scientists and entrepreneurs, you know, like it's like when a tree falls in the forest, right? Sure. And, uh, you know, and, and a whole new growth whole new wave of growth springs up around it. Well, after Genzyme, you know, had a difficulty, many other physicians and scientists and investors and inventors got together and they started a whole new wave of companies, venture funds. I talk about a venture fund called Third Rock Ventures that, that was the beginning of that new wave. And today there are hundreds of new companies picking up where Genzyme left off and have taken its mission even further beyond anything that the Genzyme could have imagined at the time. Right. Yeah, I actually passed that, and I didn't mean to. One chapter was the end of the beginning. Right, exactly. And the beginning, the beginning, John, starts with a chapter called, I believe, Sometimes a Miracle Happens. And the miracle tells an amazing story of the first patient that Genzyme ever developed a therapy for with a rare disease called Gaucher disease. And I think your listeners will enjoy this story. There's a a tireless scientist at the, at the NIH named Roscoe Brady, who'd been working for years to develop a treatment for Gaucher disease. And he figured out what the protein was that they needed finally, but he didn't know how much they needed. And so he thought he took a guess 
and he started a clinical trial and he had six adults in the clinical trial. And then a mother of a child, a three-year-old child with this disease, insisted that her child be allowed to enroll in the trial, which at the time, you know, children were never allowed to enroll in these very innovative, unusual, high-risk trials. But she insisted. And so Dr. Brady enrolled her son. When they looked at the results, the six adult patients he would enrolled showed no benefit, none whatsoever. But the child showed a miraculous recovery. And what he realized was he'd gotten the dosage wrong and the dose needed to be much higher for the adults. But it was only because that one child had been enrolled that that showed the way to a successful therapy, which now treats thousands of adults every year all around the world. Amazing. Amazing well, I think you could safely the, call that a miracle. That's right. That's how the world works. Right. Um, one of those things. Go in there, boy, and get take that. That's <laughs> good. That's unbelievable. What a great story. Now, let's see. Um, regulating DNA? Yep. Yeah, so today, you know, the book, a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, will know about Watson and Crick and the double helix, right? The secret of life. That's kind of the foundation of modern biology uh -huh. and the foundation of genetics. And right. we learned that was in 1953, you know, almost 70 years ago. And we learned a lot about DNA. But, you know, your listeners might find it interesting to know that a lot of the, the genetic code, even when Francis Crick developed, discovered it, they called it junk DNA. It didn't code for proteins. It was DNA that didn't make any proteins. So people said, well, what, what is that? It's, it's, it's useless. It's just junk. And it was only about, you know, 50 years later, only about 10 years ago, that scientists discovered that actually what those genes did was they regulated the other genes. That's gene regulation. You know, our, our, our genes are turned on and turned off at different times. And a lot of diseases result from the fact that the gene is turned on or turned off too much. So I talked before about replacing proteins. Now we're looking at many more diseases where you don't need to replace the protein, but you need to turn it off or turn it on. And that's what this company that's trying to regulate DNA is all about. And a lot of diseases are going to benefit from that. That's something. That's really a breakthrough. Um, on the heels of that would be China, to China and hopefully back. Right. The, you know, I, I say in the book, and, and Abby Myers has said, the orphan drug revolution has been a global revolution. And one of the amazing things about it, you know, a lot of the original therapies came from the United States, but they treat patients all around the world. And it's been, I've had the privilege of representing Genzyme in Europe and in Asia and Latin America. And it's been a true privilege to see the inspirational patients and families there and the, and the physician scientists in all those countries. And, and most of those countries, even low and middle income countries, many have found a way to make access available at least to small numbers of patients and more and more over time. But China, is, you know, we talk about the Great Wall, right? And China has been a right. great wall for orphan drugs. There's almost no access to orphan drugs in China. And a company a few years ago, well, about eight years ago now, took up the mission to try to try to address that and is now trying to become, you know, as we sometimes say, the Genzyme of China trying to pioneer the orphan drug revolution in China to, for the benefit of patients there who still haven't received its benefits after all those years. Well, this, this reads like, uh, you know, uh, enough to make your head sw swim or spin, I should say. But nevertheless, this, this is a really a, a, a step out in the, in the world. Um, that's well, the last section, John, if you're, if you're reading the table of contents, you know, the, the last section is called The Challenges Ahead. And one yeah. reason I wrote the book is, you know, I'm a layman. I'm not a scientist or physician. I tried to make this, you know, accessible to ordinary readers. 
but one of the reasons I wrote it is, you know, people sometimes think genetic diseases run in families. And if you don't have them in your family, you don't need to worry about them. But that's not true. These right. genetic diseases can strike any family at any birth, any, any child, any grandchild, any niece, any nephew. And so the, the last section of the book tries to tell people, hey, if we want these therapies to be available, you know, we can't take it for granted because, you know, there's a lot of people out there. Insurance companies are always pushing back to try to have these drugs, you know, not approved or have the prices reduced and to, to, to end investment in these kinds of therapies. And if people care about their, their children and their grandchildren, it's important that they know they don't need to know the science, but they need to know it's important that we all advocate for the therapies that we want for our family members. Right. Right. Have to. Um, I want to ask you, if you would tell my listeners where they need to go to find your book. Well, thank you. It's, uh, the book is on Amazon. The name of the book, as you said, is uh, Inside the Orphan Drug Revolution. If people want a short handle, they can just go to orphandrugrevolution.com. Any other places they might find? They can also buy from Cold Spring Harbor Press, which is the publisher. And if they, if they go right. online and, and Google Inside the Orphan Drug Revolution, Cold Spring Harbor will come up, and that's another easy place to buy it. Yeah. Well, this, this, this discussion we've had, you may think of things that, that you don't quite understand, unless you're talking to my, office, uh, my listeners now. Um, one of your reviews stuck out the most for me, uh, because I'm, I'm an author as well. It says, a really good writer. <laughs> it says, the book is very understandable for a complicated discussion of biotechnology. There's, there's a reason not to be scared of this book. This is, book's going to learn you something, and the people that are around you, you're going to share this book with them. So, I hope so. Well, I certainly have a good time today with you. It's off to a, a, a rocky start, I'd say, but we, we smoothed it out, made it happen. Um, I'm, I'm grateful that you have spent the time with me today. And in the process, let me see need to uh, thank my listeners for tuning in to Searching for Integrity. Um, thank you again for being on my show, Jim. It was, uh, it was good. Well, thank you, John. I'm glad we overcame the initial connection difficulties, and it's been a real pleasure. I've enjoyed talking with you, and thank you for the time. Thank you. I'll uh, say so long, and happy trails to all.